Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of family and children's discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. Well, hello, Tony. How are you today? I am doing well. Wishing Maryland or Wisconsin uh, was in the NCAA men's uh, basketball tournament, but they are not. Uh, you know, I haven't really kept up with that. I, I've I've heard a little bit here and there uh, on the morning drive to work for just a few minutes. But uh, we're, we're down to the Sweet 16 now. We are. By the time this is posted, I think we'll probably be around Final Four, or even later than that. Okay. Yeah, that is a fun time. I, I didn't do a bracket this year, but I missed the one when you, when you and I used to work together. We did that bracket. Um, it was fun to, you know, just kind of track your own progress. But I haven't done one since then. So, Tony, I've got an interesting question for you today. Uh, it may seem like trivia, but what uh, profession is the least likely to get divorced? Ooh. Do you know? Huh. I'm not going to say actors. Actors definitely would not be on that list. Uh, let's see. Um, maybe roofers cause they, because they might fall off the roof and not have uh, to get divorced. Valiant effort. Okay, so I didn't see this one. But agricultural engineers apparently top the list of least likely to get divorced. And farmers are not that far behind. So something about that industry that just I guess people of the earth, you know, um, they are they those folks stay married. Some of the people at the top of the list, I don't remember where actors fell in if I saw it on the the, the statistics that I found. Um, but some professions that you wouldn't be surprised by, but I'll just uh, I'll leave those off. But uh, you know, we know that uh, it's been said for a long time that divorce is a problem in America and in the church. Uh, but we don't talk so much about divorce as about marriage in the context of family discipleship today uh, and how important that is. So, Tony, has it ever been hard for you to work on the health of your marriage with your kids in the picture? Absolutely, 100%. (laughs) You know, uh, I can think of even uh, often uh, example would be, you know, when you get home from a long, stressful day and the nature of human sin is to unleash that stress out on other people. And uh, when I come home and, and the kids are screaming, uh, that can make things quite tense. Uh, and I know from my wife who's had to put up with the screaming kids all day. Uh, the And I know also it's hard, with uh, especially with kids in the picture, because alone time uh, without kids uh, becomes increasingly rare when you have children, especially multiple children. Yes, definitely so. Um, and they're blessings from the Lord. But, it, you know, you're, you only have so much time and attention and energy, and it's now divided uh, in, in multiple directions, especially, like you said, when you have multiple children. So um, there's less, you know, individual attention that, that any one person can get. Um, so I think pretty much anybody uh, would know what that struggle is like. Um, so what are some of those normal challenges that people face with trying to maintain the health of their marriage um, while also trying to to nurture and care for their kids uh, would you describe life as being busy when you have kids Ben <laughs> yes yes and you know we don't need, we, we work to not be overly busy with all sorts of extracurricular things and we still find ourselves with you know plenty to do 
Yeah, I think one is that I mean, busyness. You, no matter what, you're going to be busy when you're raising kids, when you're raising I mean, even teenagers. I think also some of the normal challenges in this capacity are going to be uh, seeing each other as uh, parent partners, not uh, as a couple is going to be a tendency, a temptation at least. Uh, and, uh, you know, I know many married couples that have said that uh, when they're raising kids, they feel like parents are working together more than they feel like a couple. And fortunately, I will say that that has been less the case with us, uh, that I think me and my wife have been blessed to uh, rarely relate as just co-parents, but very much as a married couple first. Uh, but I think also kids can be the biggest thing to fight about. I mean, there's been a lot of studies on reasons people have fights and have, and children and how you raise children and a certainly a uh, very high thing on the list of what married couples fight about. Yeah, those, yeah. I mean, it, you can look at reasons people get divorced and that kind of thing um, as indicators, I guess, answers to this question. But uh, And just plain old sin can get in the picture. Um, you've got, you know, in a marriage, two sinners, and then you add some children to the mix, and then you just, you know, the, the sinning, potential is just grown exponentially. Um, So those are just things that everybody faces, whether they are in, no matter what kind of work, whether they're agricultural engineers or farmers or, you know, pastors or, or, you know, what have you. So, you know, since we're, we're helping to form our kids' worldviews, and that's not just our young kids, that's our teenagers as well, um, to help form their worldview and their beliefs about the Lord, and they're dependent on us um, in various ways, so given those things, shouldn't we just pour everything into them, uh, including you know trying to make disciple, uh, make disciples of them? Uh, no, uh, I mean that's not biblical at all. I would say, in fact, uh, there's I think there's more in the Bible about leading your spouse, about being a godly husband or a godly wife, than there really is about leading kids. Frankly, the I think our marriages, uh, Lord willing, will be relationships that last longer uh, than our parenthoods. Uh, you know, uh, best case scenario, you're going to have the kids with you in the house for 18 years. Maybe you'll have the kids in your house 40 years. I hope not. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> your marriage, it should be a lot longer than that. God uh, willing, and the creek don't rise. Uh, but, Playing uh, Fortnite in the basement. Exactly. <laughs> Sad. Uh, but it's not even good for our kids, I think, uh, when we prioritize our children over our spouses within the house. I don't think it's good for their discipleship. I don't think it's good for their healthy development by any stretch of the imagination. What do you think? Yeah, I'm right on with you. But, you know, it seems like in our day that – and maybe I'm sure every generation has struggled with this maybe to some extent. But it does seem very pronounced in our our generation now uh, that – that's gotten flipped, and, and I think it happened before us, maybe even in our lifetime or in the lifetimes of people that we know, um, but just has grown to be a monster now. And so, I mean, we should probably just do a whole episode about this, but the, you know, you've heard about the helicopter parenting. Have you heard of lawnmower parenting? What is lawnmower parenting? Okay, so I only found out about this a couple of weeks ago, but it's like the, the lawnmower parent sort of mows down all uh, obstacles or whatever in front of their child so that they can just, you know, skate through. You know, and, but you see this or parents just devoting so much energy to their child and, you know, taking them to this practice and this lesson and this and that. Um, and their life is just consumed with the child. Um but I was listening to another podcast, and they were talking about, you know, our, our children are not our employers. Um, 
and they're not all, they're also not our gods or our monarchs that we have to dutifully serve. Doesn't mean that we don't love them and nurture them and care for them, um, but we don't pour our whole lives into them to the neglect of other God-given relationships and responsibilities. So, what can kids and youth, what can they taste and see specifically about the Lord when we are actively working on our marriage in front of them? Yeah. So I think we've talked some before, just a little bit, about how marriage is a typology. I think marriage is actually even given to us as a typology, which kind of means an image that points to a greater spiritual truth. Uh, and it's a typology specifically of the relationship between Christ and his church. Christ is the great bridegroom and the church is his bride. So I think marriage exists to point to the gospel in that way. Uh, and this typology of marriage uh, is really most effective with our kids. Our kids see the gospel in our marriages more than really anybody could. And I think an example of this has been in, in my life, that what I've seen. Uh, so I remember a case where there was a godly couple in our church back in Kentucky, uh, and they had kids at a point where we didn't even have kids yet. And I remember uh, he was giving such a great example of this. I remember the, uh, the husband was short with his wife, uh, and not a really significant, terrible way by any stretch. But he stopped in that moment, uh, and he apologized not just to his wife but in front of the kids, but to each of his children individually about how he failed at exemplifying Christ. He failed at showing them what a godly husband is. Uh, I think that's a great example of how children can taste and see that the Lord is good through, parent, through marriage and parenting. Mm. Yeah, that's a powerful example um, that has stuck with you for several years. And I think that that pattern you know would stick with his own children uh and you're right i mean you just can't i I remember as i was preparing to get married i was listening to a a series of sermons john piper did you know however 10 plus years ago on marriage and he kept saying throughout the series you can't say and his wife he told him to say this you can't say enough that marriage is about christ in the church and it's just something that's built into the fabric of our lives this daily reminder that that relationship is about something bigger and it's about Jesus. And, um, and so I think, yes, as we're seeking to honor Jesus and tell the truth about him and his people in that relationship, the kids are going to see the goodness that flows out of that and see, um, maybe it'll take a little, little time, but they can see God's kindness in providing, um, a mom and a dad who are trying to love each other and to lead them and to love Jesus at the same time. What other kind of truths do you think that they might learn, uh, not so much specifically about the Lord, but just in general, as their mom and, and their dad invest in their relationship uh, in view of the kids? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think that they will learn that they're not that important. Uh, and in 2019, <laughs> saying that is like autonomous to child abuse, uh, but it's not. And uh, that they're not that important, that they're not the center of the universe. Uh, and that even their more important relationships, they're not the special, no. And even that there should be a more important relationship their parents have than the relationship with them, and it should be the relationship with one another. Uh, And I think that it will also, uh, it will set them up uh, that... uh, for their potentially the most important relationship they will have in life. We don't know if our kids uh, will get married or not. They could be single and glorify the Lord in singleness. And I'd actually love to one day have a podcast on raising kids that might become single. 
and not idolizing marriage. Mm. But uh, nonetheless, um, you know, I think the reality is for most of our kids, they are probably going to get married and they're going to get married and that relationship will be the most important relationship that they'll ever have and they need to be equipped for it. They need to be ready and strengthened for that relationship. Mm. Yeah, it's so, so true. Um, I like the idea as well that you're suggesting. Um, I think, that, but that is a, that's a no small thing, them seeing that they're not the center of the universe um, or even of mom and dad's lives. Uh, I, I read somewhere uh, within the last year or so, someone talking about maybe some people that are have been treated like that when they were younger, then when they become adults and they get married and the spouse doesn't always just treat them like their parents did, um, they have a hard time coping emotionally with that. And so um, – Anyway, it was an interesting perspective, but I think you know that the kids and, and youth can see just what love looks like in commitment. Um, they can learn humility, like you were talking about with your friend that that apologized, sought forgiveness from the individual members of his family. Um, they can see what respect looks like, self giving, and conflict resolution. Um, and that's, the, I mean, that takes wisdom. I know you you certainly don't work out all of your conflicts in front of your kids. But there's some level of that. The amount of conflict that you resolve needs to, you have to, that just takes judgment and wisdom. But um, there's, I think there's something that they can glean from that. So, Tony, what danger is there if we pour so much into them, including spiritually training them, not just, you know, taking them to this practice and that practice and buying them awesome stuff, but actually, you know, trying to disciple them um, that we neglect our marriage in the process? Yeah, I think. Um... We will become those co-parents. I think that is a hugely a great danger and worry that uh, if we focus so much on them in that kind of way, uh, if we pour so much more into our kids in our marriage, we will just become uh, two parents, the dad and the mom that live together rather than a married couple. And uh, there is a reason why divorce often happens uh, when children leave the nest. Uh, and I think the reason why is because parents that uh, spouses that have identified themselves first and foremost as mom and dad rather than husband and wife lose any purpose of the relationship after the kids uh, get out of the house. And I think it's disastrous for that. Uh, you know, I think that uh, also we won't even be in our discipleship of our kids. If we don't focus on our marriage first, we won't even be united in our front. We won't have a united front in the discipleship of our next generations. That's a good point. Um, that as that, that marriage, that, that relationship could drift apart, then the unity that should be there would suffer. Um, I like that insight. And you're right. I mean, the uh, when I was looking at statistics yesterday on this, those who have children are for, far more likely to stay together. But um, the, the previous generations uh, have divorced at higher rates than we had seen probably prior to that ever. Um, the marriage rate uh, is declining. So is the divorce rate. Now, some of that is because people actually are staying married. Some of that is just because fewer people are getting married. But there is that danger. And like we talked about a minute ago about kids seeing themselves as the center 
and becoming entitled. I think that there's a very real risk of that. And just becoming really obnoxious people, both as children, as teenagers, and as adults. Like pe- the kind of person that other people really don't want to be around if they just see themselves as you know, someone's got to be giving their full attention all the time. We're just, none of us are meant to to bear that kind of weight anyway. And so um, I think that that can lead to, you know, self-love and idolatry. Yeah. So how can spouse slash parents make it clear to their kids that their first priority uh, human level relationship is with each other? Yeah. I remember we had a dean at our college that we went to that was so extremely clear, especially in discipline, uh, when he had to discipline uh, one of his sons because of back-talking towards his mom. He would always be very clear that uh, you come second after your mom uh, to me. And uh, But I think you know it's kind of an extreme example in discipline. But no matter what, the way that you talk about your spouse around your kids, I think, says a lot. Um, and uh, I think we show that by how we talk about our, our wife or our husband. I think if we are back talking, I think if we are maligning our spouses, which is really easy to do around kids and happens more often than people want to care to admit, uh, we are going to undermine that, and we are going to give no implication that it's first priority. But instead, if we are extolling our, our, our spouse, I mean, you know, if, uh, if husbands are constantly calling their wives beautiful, uh, and intelligent and godly in front of their kids picks up. The kids pick that up. Uh, but also I think it's important that uh, you show that first-priority human relationship through taking time together, through being a couple that's willing to have time, you know, uh, to even if you don't have a babysitter, that, I mean, the kids can play in the room. Uh, Mom and dad are going to have some time together. Uh, take that however you want to take it. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't necessarily mean that, but I don't necessarily not mean that either. Uh, and I think another way even is just showing that you take uh, your marriage intentionally. Uh, you know, I think uh, for one example uh, in our, our relationship, there, there's times where my wife will will straighten her hair. I'll go through a lot of work. She's got very curly hair, and so it's a lot of work for her to straighten her hair. And she'll straighten her hair just because I like it, and she wants to show the kids uh, that she's willing to take the time to do something I like just to be nice, not because there's anything special, but just because she loves me. Yeah, those are really great practical ways. And I think so much of our life is lived more in the mundane, the normal, ordinary things, and not these big, huge, extravagant deals. Like I saw this thing um, a couple weeks ago. This guy's girlfriend went on a trip to London for vacation. She's sightseeing. And then someone asked her to take a picture somewhere in in some square there in London. And then all of a sudden this – you know, dance mob breaks out. And so she's enjoying it. And then, I mean, it was just very elaborate, went on and on for minutes involving more and more people. And then at some point the dancers like throw on a mask and, um, they do their thing. And then one of the dancers approaches this girl, this woman, and then he gets over there and he takes off the mask and it's her boyfriend. He proposes and everybody's, you know, cheering and stuff. And, you know, it was cool, but it was like how much, now I think he lived in Europe. So the travel would have been a little less expensive. Um, but the time and the coordination, all this stuff, and like that's great, but you can't do that every day. And so it's just <laughs> no. the, the everyday kinds of things. And so, I mean, I know there was another, it was a dean at our seminary who talked about when, you know, he, he had a bunch of kids, I mean, like eight or something. And he said, you know, when I get home, I make sure that I kiss 
my wife first. He's like, I'm knocking kids out of the way. And, you know, I think it had become a game. Like they would come and try to jump on him and stuff. And he'd, no, 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 I got to get to your mom first. And, you know, I think it was a playful thing, but the kids saw that and said, okay, he's, he's committed to mom. And I mean, I think another thing, try not to work to not allow them to interrupt you. Like this kind of just plays off what you were saying, but you know, we're going to have some time together here and I will see if there's an emergency, but just, I mean, that's just teaching them respect, but especially I'm talking to your mom, I'm talking to your dad. No, you, you don't need to come ask me for a snack right now. And, uh, just tell them plainly. I mean, I had to do that to one of my children recently in some, uh, correction situation. And I said, this may surprise you. Um, but you know, I love your mom more than you. I love you more than you understand, but I love your mom more. And, you know, you could see, no, the child's floor didn't, or uh, mouth didn't hit the floor, but it was like, it, it said something to the child. And, um, I think, and maybe I haven't done a good enough job, you know, prior to that communicating it. I don't know, but I think it is something that we ought to work at daily. That's good. So here's, this is a tough question. What about in the case of a blended family, uh, one in which one of the, the parents has been pouring into the, you know, a kid or kids kind of solo for a while um, and then remarries? How can those individuals in that new marriage prioritize the marriage and, and each other um, and not kind of elevate the kids? Yeah. It's a great question, uh, you know, and I'd, I'd really like to hear more of your thoughts on this than mine. <laughs> but I, one thing I will say is, to me, from Scripture, this doesn't change level of commitment and who comes first. I think just because the spouse is not the mother of the children doesn't mean that uh, the children come first. And so I think this just makes these truths harder to pursue. But nonetheless, we are called uh, to be closer to our spouses than we are to we are to love our spouses a lot more than we are to love our children. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think in principle, yes, you're you're right on. But I think you know prior, you've got to start asking some tough questions. One thing is the the marriage uh, biblically uh, grounded. Can, can that can you justifiably remarry in? You know your situation, um, and in, in some it clearly is yes. But uh, but beyond that, saying that yes, biblically I have warrant to do this. Just consider carefully before doing some very regular, very intentional mindset shifts. Um, keep going back to scripture, um, regular discussions with the spouse, and um, and even bringing the child children um, in on that and explaining well you know affirming the child but also saying you know God has set up the family to operate this way and um, and so but that's man that's a tricky road um, I, I've been on the, the child end of that I have not been um, on the the spouse end of that so um, but anyway that, that's a I think probably just about everybody that listens um, knows blended families or maybe is part of one, and so it's a very real issue. Yeah. So, are there any somewhat kind of easy? Well, we talked about you know how to make it clear to the kids that the spouse is the the first priority human relationship. But um, are there any kind of easy or just normal mundane ways that husbands and wives can take steps towards each other when they're also having to focus on caring for the kids? So I think a simple way that I mean we can describe would be an important thing would be to pray with your spouse uh, on a regular basis 
uh, and stay in the word together. And I think that can be in addition to family worship, especially if you have young kids in the house. Uh, and uh, I think that can be a special time uh, for spouses, but even before you go to bed. And I think that's something I need to uh, take uh, as more of a regular practice again in our own marriage. Uh, I think also men, uh, I think our call is to be our the wives, the pastor of our wives first, especially and her mom struggles. Uh, we're called the spiritual leader wives. And I know a lot of our listeners are men. Some are not. Uh, some are women. Uh, but uh, men are especially called to spiritual leader their wives even more than they're called to spiritual leader their children. And one of the ways we do that is by encouraging uh, them when they are exhausted from being mothers, from raising kids, even if they're working full-time jobs, uh, especially sometimes even if they're working full-time jobs. I think to be able to be a help and encouragement to her. Uh, and for wives that are listening, women less listening, recognize that you're his helpmate first. You're your husband's helpmate before you're the mom of the kids. Uh, and I mean, that's what God has called you to be first. Uh, but I think another thing, uh, very practical, that you can sometimes find course corrections when you need it. The course corrections that get you right back in the path that you need to be. Some helpful things uh, that might come along when needed. Uh, some churches will run things like Art of Marriages. is a really helpful biblical uh, seminar uh, from family life mm-hmm. on marriages, and uh, it doesn't require a lot of traveling. In fact, if you have uh, some of the Christian streaming services, I believe Art of Marriage is on most of them, especially the big name ones of them. Uh, and, you know, or even consider potentially going to a weekend to remember conference. Yes. Um, I like those are really, really good ideas. Um, I think just one of those daily things is put down the stinking phone. Okay. Um, I just <laughs> those things, they can be so helpful and they can do so much good. Um, they can they can help us memorize scripture and we can encourage people with them. We can read the Bible with them and um, and we can also just lose contact with the real world with them. Um, and so, yeah, just make it a point to put down the phone, especially if you have an opportunity to converse with each other. Do that. Um, have a real conversation. Um, you know, notes towards each other or, you know, share, just dropping a little note, that kind of thing. Um, take time to talk and ask questions. Um, you know, just working and disciplining yourself to save some energy for your spouse and um, trying to question what's going on and, you know, just getting, trying to take steps towards them. And you, you mentioned uh, the weekend to remember. And one of the things they talk about so much is, is oneness. And that, that's marriage is designed for oneness. But there's so many different things that are trying to pull us apart from that. And so um, it is, it's, takes very intentional steps to keep forming that that bond and like you said pray i mean you just you don't assume that you're going to coast into good pastures you know you've got to to pray and i i remember i went through a time where things were going fairly well in our marriage and you know i was convicted that i really wasn't praying that much and it was an eye-opener like how stupid am i to not pray just sort of assume things are going to keep going well um, and just, you know, showed my pride thinking that I got it and I don't. Um, so, well, here's, you know, you, you mentioned some of the things that some of these things would take money. Some of the, you know, people recommend date nights. We found that helpful. What if a couple doesn't have lots of extra cash for date nights or overnight getaways or babysitters or going to Hawaii or, you know, whatever else? What, what would you suggest in that case? 
Yeah, so you don't need to have all that uh, to do a date. Uh, you know, I remember one of the best dates that we've actually had in our marriage uh, was a time where we were all strapped financially, and so we decided what we decided to do. I think we maybe ate McDonald's for dinner, and then we went to Bed Bath & Beyond, not to buy anything, uh, but to have a competition of finding the most ridiculous thing. Uh, and then I think we uh, sent uh, some pictures of pictures friends to be judge of it. Uh, but, I mean, we had a lot of laughs, and uh, there were some ridiculous things in Bed <laughs> Bath & Beyond, by the way, if you didn't know that. Uh, so uh, I encourage you to check that out. Uh, try, I mean, do something silly, creative like that. First and foremost, dates are to build relational intimacy and to study one another, not to enjoy things together. I mean, you don't have to go to the sympathy, sympathy orchestra uh, to enjoy time together. You can go to a park to do that. And I think sometimes those are even better dates. I mean, you can get a board game. Uh, and uh, even if you can't find a babysitter, uh, put the kids to bed early maybe and get a board game and enjoy time together. Just don't do Battleship is what I can recommend from my marital past. Uh, <laughs> past of my marriage. Uh, little inside joke for those who know me. Uh, and uh, I mean... I, I so I think I mean take your own time study your study your spouse uh, I don't like essentially requiring the kind of things uh, like you know a lot of people will say you know to have a healthy marriage you need to make sure uh, that you go on a, sp a retreat once a year or that you go on a vacation just together I don't think that's realistic for many families many families even in the United States uh, but I think that poor people can have much richer marriages still than those who have a lot of money. There's no uh, way in which the amount of possessions, the ability to have special weekend or week-long trips means that you can have a better marriage than those who can't do that. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a guy in our church who was talking about he and his wife had gone on some sort of little getaway with another couple that they were friends with, and the man has cheated on his wife multiple times but they are just loaded with cash and they were talking about all the you know the places they've been and i mean but their marriage has got to be in shambles they were hardly even talking to each other um and so it's yeah those things can be helpful but it's not some sort of guarantee you know i think something that we used to do because uh when we lived in kentucky uh tony and i shared uh, a duplex. He he yep. and his wife lived upstairs, and we lived downstairs, and so we could lock the outside of it, and then just walk up the steps. And so we would take turns, you know, watching, put the kids to bed or whatever, and then go out on a date and have a monitor. And now, obviously, not everybody lives in a duplex, um, but you know, some kind of swap like that with another couple. Um, that can be a helpful thing. You know, we trusted you guys, and so uh, actually, we we ran to the hospital to, to have one of our children. You know. We brought you a monitor. You came and slept on our couch or something. Um, but uh, and you're talking about the interaction. Like, yes, there's a time to go watch a movie, and some people really enjoy doing that. But like, don't make that the only date you do because you can't. You know, for an hour and a half, two hours, whatever, you're not really talking. You're not. Inter I mean, maybe you can hold hands or something. But um, yeah, I just I think there's better things that you can find to do at that time. At least as the the pattern. Um, so, so how can churches minister to spouses in the midst of their parenting, keeping in mind that they've got both of those responsibilities, those weighty responsibilities on them? Yeah, so I would say, first a warning, I think churches need to be careful of making an idol out of marriage 
or a careful also of the other uh, pitfall that I think many churches can fall into of uh, that uh, forgetting that the principles of scripture override the benefits of marital experience. Scripture is our greater authority than uh, one person's marital experience and one person's testimonies of how God worked in their lives. Uh, so I think those things need to be clearly acknowledged because I think many churches can fall into the pitfall of especially idolizing marriage. Uh, but I think what things that churches can do would be offer things like art of marriage, uh, be willing to make the investment to have a seminar like art of marriage, uh, led discussion and have the benefits of that. I mean, I know our church, our church had at one point, uh, and Kentucky and Danielle and I were so deeply benefited by that. Uh, but I think also be willing to, even if it's part of a church budget or just encouraging members that have more to help those who don't have as much, uh, use the church to help support intensive marital marriage revitalization. You know, support the couple that needs some biblical counseling in their marriage, or you know, support sending uh, some perhaps some of the uh, some Christians within the church, uh, maybe newlyweds or those who are just going through a rut, uh, to go to something like Weekend to Remember, financially help them out, even watch kids in that. Uh, the and I think mature Christians especially can benefit. Uh, younger Christians and less mature Christians by being willing to watch their kids to bless a couple so that they can grow as a couple and, and disciple their kids better through doing that. Actually, I'm going to uh, speak and really boast on a, uh, a couple that's really been a blessing to us. Uh, there's some na neighbors of ours, the Maynards, uh, and they're kind of like honorary additional grandparents through our kids. Uh, and they've always been so intentional that they're willing to, uh, they want to give us dates a lot, uh, you know, whenever they can. Uh, and they want to uh, help out and be willing to watch the kids so that we can do things together, so that we can do ministry together, but also so that we can have time together as a couple. And I think the example of the Maynards, uh, this uh, retired couple, is a really great example that many older Christians that listen to this might want to follow. That Man, that's really good. Yeah, I, I like what you had to say there. Um, churches really can come alongside and like not make it an idol, but also realizing that that is a a key way that people are called to follow Jesus is in their marriage. And so trying to be proactive rather than just reactive. Uh, I think some of that can get into the just sermon application or sermon series, but it, there's the regular application of it. Um, those classes, um, I know some churches will do date nights regularly where they will uh, care for the kids and then send the parents out. Uh, just trying to either doing it for free or charging a very, very small amount um, to, to just encourage parents to take that time. Um, I think urging people to not to idolize their kids. Uh, you talked about not idolizing the marriage. I, I think there's also that emphasis too and uh, just being regular in that call. So there's much that can be done. I, actually, a couple at our church, they went through some trouble in their marriage um, a few years back and um, they were really on the edge of divorce. And uh, through it, Martin became a believer, at least as I understand it, and um, just a great transformation happened in his life. And um, his, I mean, his daughter was sort of like, you know, where'd this guy come from? And anyway, um, God just did a 
showed his grace in an amazing way in both their lives. And so then they've been, they've told people, yes, we struggled. And then now they will go regularly volunteer at Weekend to Remember, um, just to pray for other couples and just do what they can. And, and just supporting that, supporting people in our church, encouraging them to go, um, even you know helping them go. And they did something at their house several weeks back where they invited a number of different couples and you know had dinner. But then they just they shared some of their story and talked about they were just humble and honest, um, and then talked about what God had done. And so uh, it was just very encouraging to see and for other couples to to hear them talk about how he brought restoration um, and to just watch them be honest like that. And so, um, you know, she talked about wanting to do that more. And so, I mean, if, if you've got couples who could just talk about God's word and it doesn't have to be dramatic, uh, but that was just one, one small thing that they could have a big impact. Um, and so it doesn't have to always be a, a program that the church does. So how can parents and churches partner together to help paint an accurate healthy view of marriage that's telling the truth about Christ and his church to the coming generations, Tony? Yeah, great question. Um, I think living in community uh, as Christians is so good. I think this is why um, it's often so good. I mean, to have small groups, I mean, in homes, I mean, small groups where I mean, relationships are built between families uh, together so that, I mean, Christian uh, Christian children see godly couples in addition to hopefully their mom and dads together. Uh, and I think that's a, a simple way. Maybe that's not exactly what you're originally getting to, uh, but... I think uh, the an example of this actually that benefited me. I remember uh, was I was not I was not really raised in church a lot, uh, but when I was led to the Lord, I got involved in this church, Rock Church, and there was this couple that uh, was a youth leader couple. Uh, they were not like the youth pastor or anything like that. They were just a youth leader couple, uh, and they had uh, three teenage kids in the youth group, a uh, large family. Uh, and I remember oftentimes I would go over to their home. Uh, they would have uh, me over for some things, uh, for some youth events, as well as they just have me over sometime just to bless me and get to know me. Uh, and they had such a great marriage. And, and I think it was such a testimony to the importance of marriage uh, to me that I think impacted my life, even if I don't really know that couple anymore. And I think also teach marriage passages and youth group and kids ministry. So often we avoid these kind of things. And, you know, I mean, we would hope we uh, don't apply some of the requirements on biblical marriages on dating when you're a high schooler, of course. Uh, you know, you're not called to submit to your boyfriend necessarily. <laughs> uh, but I think we need to teach uh, biblical passages about marriage, what marriage is uh, to kids as well as to youth. That's good. That's cool that that couple that you know you didn't quite know, remember all about them, but the fact of them doing it still stands out to you all these years later. I think just one very practical thing is you know with your calendar. We talk about this in, in a number of different contexts, but not just packing it so full of things um, that you know parents or parents who are married don't have time to try to invest in their their relationship. And it, this is really a few steps removed. Um, because you can plan some valuable marriage sort of event or teaching time, but um, you know when it comes to planning stuff for the uh, the kids, it's just it's a very I don't know third level application or something. But just being mindful of that, not giving the impression oh um, 
if, you, if you're not at this, 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 and this, and this, and you're not a faithful Christian, um, and it's really causing them to, to not be able to invest in some of those other relationships that God has given them primary responsibility for. And also, I, I just, I didn't talk about this in the notes, you know, when we were going to this stuff before, but uh, a helpful book that, and, and I'm sure there's other helpful resources out there, but uh, a book by Brian Chappell, C-H-A-P-E-L-L. He used to be the president of Covenant Seminary. Now he's a pastor in the St. Louis area, but he's written a book called Each for the Other, and he spends one portion talking about husbands, one portion talking about wives, and then he has the, the last third of the book is talking about the role of, of how the each for the other works out with the children, and so he's addressing parenting but also keeping an eye on the marriage as well, and um, I was reading over some of that this morning, and uh, very, very helpful, um, really good teaching underneath, but it's very plain. You know, it's not a, a scholar's book or something like that. And so I would uh, commend that to you. So any any resources that you might want to point out? Yeah, in terms of encouraging marriage. I mean, I do want to go back to Art of Marriage. I think it's a great and encouraging resource. So I think one of the best resources on uh, marriage, and that does relate to parenting. He talks, especially in the introduction, about that is what did you expect uh, by Paul Tripp. And I know that he even has a, uh, a video series, I think, that goes along with it that he's, he had been working on for some time. Yeah, um, I've seen some of his video stuff with, with that, and it's, it's very helpful. Um, and, yeah, I mean, most whatever I've seen of Paul Tripp's, it is good, gets to the heart, applies the gospel well. And the thing that I liked about the chapel book, um, it addresses the, the marriage and then also the parenting with an eye on the marriage at the same time. So um, just found that real helpful. Ghost kind of uses Ephesians 5, 22 on down to the beginning of chapter 6 as a springboard. And so um, just real, real careful teach. Well, Tony, this was a really important conversation, I think, for us to have just thinking about our, the health of our own marriage for the sake of our children, for God's glory. Uh, and hopefully it's something you know for our listeners as well and as they minister to people who are married or will be married uh, because, you know, to quote John Piper's wife, you can't say enough that marriage is about Christ and the church. And um, that the Lord holds that pretty high in his priorities, wouldn't you say? Yes, he does, most certainly. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.